0: Hello and welcome to Enough Flicker, a podcast where we make promises we can't keep, like, never die <laughs> while discussing our favorite television show, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 51st episode in the series, Empty Nests.
1: Yeah, and today um, is actually a very special episode cloaked as a regular episode uh, of this final season two um, episode of The Golden Girls because... Because it's Empty Nests and because this has a bit of a reputation in sort of the fan community because it's literally pitching a spinoff of the Golden Girls Empty Nest, we have a special guest with us, Matt Browning. Hello, Matt. Hi, Matt.
2: Thanks for having me on what's probably the worst episode of the show. (laughs)
1: Well, we're going to make this the best episode of Enough Wicker, because Matt is here specifically. He has many, many accolades, such as that he is a writer. He's an avid reader. He's got a, a basement library bar uh, with, in his house, which is the coolest thing ever. So when the pandemic is over, we're going to go visit. But um, specifically, he runs EmptyNestTV.com, which is a whole fan site dedicated to Empty Nest. Um, and also later in the uh, episode, we'll talk a little bit more about a forthcoming book of his from the Golden Girls. It isn't Danny Thomas one as a tentative title. It basically is a compendium of every single 1980s, early 90s reference that happens in the show, which is a much needed guide for everyone who, uh, well, not, not only everybody who was born after the show <laughs> went off the air, but even sometimes when you're trying to recall what the hell you know was happening in 1985. Um, So yeah, so Matt's here today. It's really exciting, and we're going to talk about empty nests.
0: Okay, so um, first I just want to say I'm also very, very excited for, Matt, your, uh, your book that you're putting out into the world, because there are so many references that I find myself Googling or, like, you know I need to know them so I think it's a very necessary contribution um
2: well I hope, I hope the world agrees <laughs> I'm
0: sure they will um yeah so I mean this episode does have such a bad reputation and it's interesting because when I was watching it for this it's actually really funny like there are two scenes <laughs> that stood out to me um the opening scene of the show where it's just the girls and then a little bit later where they're at um the what is Rita Moreno and her husband's house and they're in the living room and there's like a very funny scene where they're all peak themselves like Blanche goes into this like super steamy like sex thing and Dorothy's like the voice of reason and Rose is just like being so silly Rose and Sophia is being really snippy at her so anyway I think that it, it gets a little bit of a reputation um in an unfair it's unfair i think it's a good episode i think it's not the golden girls which i imagine would be frustrating if you were waiting for the finale and you're like what the fuck? this is a different show
1: <laughs> but that's, um that's my beef with it too right as opposed to like as an episode of the golden girls it falls short because it's not an episode of the golden girls but obviously the parts where the golden girls are featured are very funny and very just like like you said they're they're characteristic of of the humor on the show and the archetypes of the, of the gals yeah. And you
2: can tell they get a lot of the funniest lines in the whole episode. <laughs> the girls, I mean, we don't know these new people, right? So it's hard to get really strong laughs out of them.
1: That is true. So that girls is are the tr- girls. Yeah. They try very hard with Joe Asuzu, uh, with David Leisure <laughs> playing Oliver. <laughs> um, which, by the way, speaking of 80s references, I mean, do you remember, do you guys remember Joe Asuzu commercials? He was the like slimy salesperson for Asuzu, where it was like he would he would say lies. <laughs> about the cars and then like the captions on the isuzu commercial would basically negate them but it somehow worked in this like weird reverse psychology manner anyway
2: I, remember, I think that's how he transitioned into this and got to stay on <laughs> the real show is because it had, you know clout
1: <laughs> right exactly that's he he had like snarky uh, actor clout he's being typecast as a, a shady character <laughs> as we see him in oliver here um but yeah, Lauren, I agree. I love, I love the beginning uh, where, you know, it's classic Rose is like, oh, we love washing dishes. You know? Oh my she's God. Like, Happy times during the locust invasion. And Sophia <laughs> goes, she's beginning to get to me. It's, it's just really, it's a great, it's kind of like, I, I was surprised to find that in this episode. And we've talked about that a couple times before where you forget me plots or you forget other lines, but I just love that she's beginning to get to me. And she leans, you know, Sophia like, leans on the kitchen counter. Like she's really stressed.
0: In, like, classic set dressing, there's so many dishes. Nobody nobody did a single dish. Like, you guys are just waiting for Mr. Fix-It, so, like, you're just going to wait it out for weeks, it looks like. it's And, I don't know, you had, like, Thanksgiving dinner. Why are there? Every dish they have is in the sink. Um, your service
1: for 18, you know? Yeah.
2: I love that they key up humorously <laughs> the concept of death here right at the beginning, and then it comes back at the very end in a very morbid kind of way. Right, right, yes. <laughs>
1: full circle <laughs> full circle there exactly um yeah what what does rose say about death she's like we remember happy times and she she almost is um like rose kind of gets up and is like so there we were be yeah. when people die <laughs> it's great.
0: so they're in the kitchen and then they you know like they migrate to the living room and then rena moreno walks in and first of all Rita Moreno is so hot i i <laughs> I'm upset that there's not a reaction <laughs> from the I audience. Had this exact same thought.
1: I was like, "Why?" And Matt, I'd love to ask you this, as probably our resident Rita Moreno expert. Although I'm sure, Lauren, after your statement, you probably <laughs> did some googling. But um, like, why doesn't she get a like a woo from the audience? Like, I feel like she's famous enough, um, especially with this generation. You know.
2: First, I wondered, was she not like legendary Rita Moreno at that point, but she probably was.
1: Yeah, that's what I was I was confused about. Or the audience is just like this is gonna be a dud, or what is she doing here? I have
2: no idea. I saw this. There's an interview online with Rita Moreno, and we can get into it here if you want, that sets up some of the back behind the scenes stuff that was going on that week. Um she auditioned for this part, and it was a terrible audition. She said nobody laughed, nobody smiled. So she didn't think she was gonna get it. All of a sudden she gets it and shows up and it's a constant struggle to film because Susan Harris, the writer, became very, very ill and was not there to do rewrites. Oh, is this so chronic fatigue
1: syndrome illness?
2: Maybe it was. It yeah. Um, so she was not there so the script just never got better. And I guess she said the producers kept changing the attitudes of the character that she was playing. No
1: way. Which left
2: her struggling to remember lines and they were doing so many takes that the audience was kind of getting bored and B was pissed off. And there was apparently a lot of tension.
1: Oh <laughs> wow. That is fascinating about the not rewrites, right? Because obviously these four these four ladies already have chemistry. They're on their own show. We are this is the last episode of the second season. Like they're they're deep into that, they got it figured out. So even if they have a fresh script. They're gonna do it really well, you know, no matter what. But you have these new characters that of course are the focus on somebody else's show. And Rita Moreno is supposed to be the glue, right, between these two for the most part. And yeah, the couple of her lines are just. I don't know. They're just like obvious, right? They're not. They're not like good, punchy writing or anything like that. And I, in a sense, she has to be sort of the straight woman here. Like her husband gets to be snarky, and then you have weird Oliver and Mr. Fixit and Boris and Chuck and all this whole other characters. Um, and you know, I mean, the daughter, was Jenny, like she's just Meh, whatever. I mean, we, we could talk about her in a minute, but but, uh, yeah. but yeah, poor Rita Moreno. I was, I was kind of like, oh my God, like West Side Story, Singing in the Rain. Like she, she's already, she's already like years and years earlier had a, a great reputation, and she just walks in, and they're just like normal guest star, you know, like it, Maybe it was... That was
2: like, take fourteen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Thank you for that backstory.
0: You can kind of tell that I read that um it's in her wikipedia as you mentioned I did spend some time on Rita Moreno's wikipedia today and um it's interesting because I feel like you can kind of tell that the character is a little directionless because she's like obviously super depressed that her husband is working all the time like that's the you know like the, the main arc but then she I, I don't know. I feel like her approach to it is just kind of all over the place. Like, there's that funny little bit where she calls the, the radio in the middle of the night and offers, like, the solution to the crisis by giving the Palestinians Greenland. And, like, I, I want to be like, ride that. Like, do, like, you know, take yeah. that character.
1: She has a great, like, silent laughter face where she's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah.
0: It works, but then it's just like, I don't know. I feel like she's just so, like blah the whole time and and I think that is also kind of what adds to this episode and it's interesting because I was wondering if Susan Harris was able to do the rewrites of the Golden Girls dialogue or you know like the the episode later because I even feel like some of that is a little bit Mm. flat like it's just it's it's funny but it's all just like so like oh yeah Rose is the dumb one so she would say something about a cow and like Sophia's gonna be exhausted by you know like it doesn't it's not as thought out I guess as as some of those conversations are in other episodes so I was curious about that like how much um input she had uh with with that part of the episode
1: yeah and I, I mean all of it honestly because but but to me I didn't even think about the rewrites thing and so much as like Again, they're just sort of there for the other characters to bounce off of. Like when Dorothy comes in with Oliver and she's like, do I sense a note of hostility? And she's like, A no, try a symphony. You know, it's <laughs> it's really good. And she nails Dorothy, but it's just like this very quick, like boom, boom, I'm in now, just so George can say no to dinner. And then so she can show up and he can call her, Oliver can call, call her Dot. you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, <but> she, <laughs> walked, she walked over to inviting to dinner instead of just calling on the phone. Which is what <laughs>
1: they
2: do. But they had to shoehorn the girls into every scene Totally. I guess in case you tuned in halfway through, oh, this is supposed to be the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. But then they just totally leave them off the end, as, as you pointed <laughs> out, Laura. And You're like, cool conclusion. Okay, what?
0: <laughs> and then, I mean, we can talk about this. Uh, I think we will talk about this, but like the actual show is totally different, right? Like, I also yeah. feel like that's the other thing that sort of, um, I think, gives this episode a little bit of the, the hate it gets is like, what what is it? It's not emptiness, like it's it, and it's not the golden girl. So like what
1: what is you're right, it? You're right. But it's funny because like Rose, so in the beginning, right? Like when when Rita Moran was there, and Rose, hilariously, is the one that's like, this is kind of like you know um, hypersexual bitch. Like yeah, Rose like has this like very technical term. She's like, it's called emptiness syndrome. It's like this perfect little clip, right? Like way before internet clips, but you just like you could tell it was in the promo. And she's like, I didn't find out about it until like the day Charlie died, which is like, also another one I completely forgot. I was like, this is amazing. She's like, that I was mad about him dying. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But it's like the way she articulates it, it is such a great, it's a good nugget and it's a good concept for a show, whether it is this weirdo kind of, you know, like singular episode or a total spinoff.
2: They In that little chunk of a scene there in the living room, they queue up. And use the phrase explicitly empty nest like four or five times. <laughs> okay, we get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I love you know the whole the whole idea of like again playing into each of the girls' stereotypes. We talk about Blanche's, you know, reluctant motherhood, right? I love that she referred to her children as noisy little calendars. <laughs> talk about the advancing age. I thought that was a pretty good, like tidbit line, you know. But yeah, another another great piece of that uh that little scene there setting things up where you know, Sophia, first of all, we don't we don't say the word stool sample nearly enough in this show. I feel like like poop jokes from like an older person's like medical need. I was kind of surprised it didn't come up more. Um, but I also love her line about St. Francis of Assisi. Like, don't you think his wife had the same problem? Don't you think she said, Frank, enough donkeys? It's like, <laughs> it's perfect, Sophia, right there. And she, you know, she's like here in the room, but not really, right? She's just bantering off in the corner.
2: Well, in the line about the the veterinarian seeing Rose naked. Just oh my God. Perfect little yeah. of nugget to stick in there.
0: <laughs> she's like, I thought that was strange too. <laughs> 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 but it's like, oh cool,
1: so let's just mark this down as another dark theme. like just Rose <laughs> was abused by her vet and she didn't even know it actually at this point when she's recounting it from The
0: vet, the dentist, enough.
2: yes when susan harris would step in to write these little bit later episodes you could almost tell it was susan harris writing it right they reverted back a little bit to their beginning archetypes i guess
1: yeah exactly exactly um can we talk about uh chuck mr Fixit, and boris for a second (laughs) So he shows up. I, I don't know and and Matt or and or Lauren if you did a bunch of research, I, I really don't know how accurate this is, if at all, to multiple personality disorder. Um it's really it's really kind of strange. I also feel like we dodged a bullet by not seeing Boris.
2: <laughs> yeah, they didn't set up who Boris would have yeah. been.
1: I just figured it'd be like a very bad like Russian accent <laughs> type of. Like yeah.
0: Rocky and Bullwinkle, Boris? Like that's yeah. another crossover? Yeah, I see that.
2: I <laughs> yeah. did not research the actual syndrome, but this almost feels like this is not a accurate representation of it. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly.
2: A gimmick, a gimmick character.
1: I'd love to um, know if any enough Wicker fans know about that. Uh, hit us up on social media if
2: you have thoughts and opinions. Had this gone to series, how would they have prolonged that for seven years or however I know, long? I know. It's Here's very interesting. The actor playing that guy is the father of Juliet Lewis. he was a well-known character if you look at like 80s 90s shows he popped up all the time on stuff
1: interesting so he's not he's not on the Empty Nest television show fun fact or not fun fact I guess I've never watched Empty Nest I know Lauren dove into it for this episode and some research but I, I just sort of I sort of stayed away from it kind of also to be a counterpoint so who who of this episode is actually in the Empty Nest television show
2: the only actor to make the crossover was David Leisure, but he did not play Oliver the test pilot on the actual ship.
1: <laughs> That's very bizarre.
2: He played Charlie. He was still the he was still the obnoxious mooching next door neighbor, but he played Charlie instead of Oliver. And he was a cruise ship purser, which the guy who the guys who run around on cruise ships doing whatever they did instead of the test pilot.
1: Interesting. But then also there was so so you know Chuck is not making up when he goes upstairs to say can I, can I go see the dog and George goes we don't have a dog it was no like, maybe he sees things but there was Dreyfus of course so Dreyfus that we show up you know shows up later and all yeah
0: and so. and Harry Weston like the main emptiness is about Harry Weston yeah. which is which was so interesting to watch it because I have also never seen it until I started watching it for this and um it made it just like really closed the loop on a lot of stuff for me when i'm watching the golden girls like you know like who is this cop who lives why all of a sudden is this cop there and like this doctors whatever and i feel like it really carol and barbara yes of course and dreyfus also like it just clarifies so many um little bits in the later seasons of the golden girls that come up a lot it also has no connection to this episode of any show so i feel like i was very um like i knew harry weston was on it but i assumed that like some storyline someone from this episode apart from oliver slash charlie will be on it um but no totally different and also that guy's on another episode of the golden girls later he's on jeopardy
2: they did use the interior set for the emptiness show so the kitchen living room but the exterior their establishing shot of the house was different for emptiness than in this episode of The Golden Girls.
1: I saw that and it almost looked like a weird rendering. <laughs> I, I noticed it when I was watching this episode for the first time. It was just kind of like, you do a double take because you just expect to see, you know, Richmond Street. And then you're just like, wait, what is this?
2: Well, tidbit for you. The Westons on Empty Nest didn't live on Richmond Street. Oh. They lived on Fairview Road, I think. Fairview Road. I'm assuming, it, you know, they intersected. Was that? Yeah. How <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somewhat close by, Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, all right, well, let's let's keep going through the episode. We are going to revisit all of those fun crossovers that Lauren, you just mentioned. Um, but yeah, just the baseline, it's really funny going through this other family that then literally doesn't exist anywhere else, ever again. <laughs> just yeah. It's kind of like the episodes where like, there's one character that, you know, that like Mary, right? When Mary's like, oh, remember I used to come over the house all the time when I was a kid and I have this history with you. And it's like, she's pregnant. It's a big deal. And her father and this whole thing. And then like that never again, that's it.
0: Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned her because I think that when Jenny shows up, it, yeah. it really called back Mary. Right? And also Jenny's just zip zapping from New York to Miami without telling her parents and like how girl, there's no way that your doctor father isn't paying for that plane ticket. Unless
1: she has, like, access to his credit card and, like, it didn't come through yet. So, also, she reminds me of, you know, freaking little Charlie who wants to go to space camp just to meet boys. As a po- like, come on, you're going to Columbia and you're there just because of your boyfriend? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and,
2: if, and if, again, if this had gone to series, how would they have her as a regular jetting back and forth every other day to be
0: zipping. <laughs> yeah and clearly
1: you know because of the lack of rewrite or because of other reasons like she's not a strong character that you just want every once in a while to be like oh hey guys jenny's here it's that kind of episode (laughs) it's
0: really kind of funny there's so many like little i mean and always in the golden girls too these plot holes where um rita moreno is sitting down with george and she's like our marriage is in real trouble and he's like just answers the phone, just doesn't even respond. He just picks up the phone. It must be what it's like for doctors when landlines were a thing. Like he would constantly be on the phone pre everybody having a pager even. Oh yeah.
1: Well, it's funny. So so my husband, you know, Dennis, his, uh, his mother is a pediatrician and he talks about that, like, you know, especially when early days of the internet when you had dial up, right? And so then everybody kind of had that whole like, oh, are you on the phone? I need the phone, that kind of thing. So she had a special line, you know, all evening She would just be on the phone and get the cord and like in her office- <laughs> Like hiding behind the door talking about medical things that your whole family you know can't and doesn't want to hear about so, <laughs> but I love him just like oh this guy peed like that that sounds exactly like what my husband talks about of like just like normal conversation in the doctor's like I'm trying to enjoy my taster's choice coffee or whatever and you're talking about <laughs> this old man peeing you know it's like <laughs> it's not the best. <laughs> Also, we have Blanche in her, you know, in her college story, like where you said <laughs> she was talking about the the room is filled with the heat of the taboo lust, right? Like, she's basically writing like porno fan fiction. Like, it's a, it's a long story about it, but also simultaneously rallying once again, you know, railing against New York City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a subway runs right through it. Like also Columbia
1: campus is beautiful, first of all. <laughs> I know, it's also kind of gated and just like, you know, you're definitely gonna find more than one professor with like a touch of gray in his hair, okay? Yeah. Bang, that That your, your bosoms are gonna brush up against.
2: <laughs> I wonder if she met that story in her book that she wrote during the chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, if she did, it was gibberish. You know, we didn't get like the real full. <laughs> she really should have just focused on mini fan fiction with sexual content only.
0: <laughs> um, so, Matt, what do you think of this episode? And and specifically, how do you compare it to both Empty Nest as the series and also The Golden Girls as the series? Like this particular piece of media, <laughs> love to hear what you think about it.
2: <laughs> I mean, watching it. Okay, let's answer that in a few different ways. Let me roll my sleeves up and <laughs> it. Um, I mean, as, this, as an episode, it's, it's not that great. The Golden Girls come out looking the best because, and the funniest because they're them. So it's not that great of a pilot. And, but knowing the backstory and how Susan Harris wasn't there to fix it and hearing Rita Moreno talk about how terrible it was makes me watch it with a new light. Yeah. Okay, that's why this doesn't hold up. And now you can watch it looking for those moments of tension she mm-hmm. said what going on behind the scenes. Um, it's nothing like the actual emptiness TV show. So listeners, if you've never watched the real one, don't judge it by this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's probably watch? the most important takeaway, honestly. <laughs>
2: I'll give you a really quick primer of the real one and how it compares yeah. storyline-wise. The real one did not even address, if I'm remembering correctly, the actual emptiness syndrome at all. in terms of a plot line so when it begins you have harry weston you know the the rich pediatrician who Mm -hmm. is littler and he lives alone with his dog dreyfus so a lot of its first season is about him you know getting back into the dating scene there's an episode with him and blanche and he has daughters but none of them live at home um about halfway through the season they realize we can't keep coming up with reasons for these women to keep coming over to daddy's house so then, Carol and Barbara, two of his three daughters, move in. So then, it's sort of an ironic title: his nest is <laughs> full. But again, no, there was never an episode about Harry dealing with the emptiness syndrome. That's I guess right. Susan Harris realized, okay, this isn't going to work. We'll keep but, the title, but the show will be about something else.
0: Yeah, keeping the title when it's actually a <laughs> newly full nest—that's—I—that's that's, you know, I applaud that.
1: <laughs> it's the reason that they kept the title because like this was such a contrivance of mbc to like that you know they went through all of the trouble of having an episode of the golden girls be sort of the transitional point or the jumping off point like i mean it,
2: that's got to be why probably so now the first probably 10 or 12 episodes he did have an empty nest um but again it just wasn't a plot line necessarily yeah it was more about him dating or him being used to being a widower that kind of thing but yeah no empty nest maybe she realized okay this golden girl's backdoor pilot was so bad we just won't even mention it
0: it's <laughs> just such an injustice for rita Marino. i know you said it but i like i do i also feel like she's like her outfits in this are really cool like she just it just had so much potential and it it is also just like it's so disheartening to hear that it was kind of doomed from the beginning but i think matt to your point it it will hopefully encourage some Golden Girls fans whose only relationship to emptiness is this episode to explore a little bit more. Because I think, I mean, I've only seen, you know, a little bit here and there, but I do feel like the humor is similar. Um, And also there's a lot of crossovers. Sophia's on it a lot and, you know, Blanche and Rose and even Dorothy make appearances. So it might be worth, you know, quarantine for most of us. So no better time than now. All of them are
2: on YouTube. That's about the only place you can find them. There you go. What I, so as that
1: transition point, like Lauren said, so all the appearances, so on your website, you have actually a list for Golden Girls fans specifically of like the episodes that have those crossovers. So can you talk about that? Like we, and talk about the ones that we also know as Golden Girls fans, like we were talking about before, like Carol and Barbara, etc.
2: So the original cast of Empty Nest, cause it changed throughout the later years, all of them mm-hmm. made appearances on the Golden Girls Viewers today maybe just not don't know but that's who they are. So Dr. Harry Weston obviously mm-hmm. is the, the patriarch of the show, and Dreyfus the dog. Uh, I think they make the most frequent appearances. Right. His two daughters were Carol and Barbara, Christine mm-hmm. McNichol, and Dinah Manoff were the actresses. And they both appeared. Um, Carol was in the, the monkey show yep. with the hurricane episode. And then both of them and Dreyfus were in the Moonlight Madness episode. Right. Um, Charlie, as you mentioned earlier, appeared on the Jeopardy episode. And who am I missing? Oh, Park Overall was Laverne, Harry's nurse, and she was in the episode where Dorothy went to the clinic um, when she had chronic fatigue syndrome.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait, and didn't Barbara also <laughs> arrest the cheese man?
2: She did arrest the cheese man with a tiny little gun <laughs> yeah. and no hand. In
1: a dress without a gun. <laughs> you lied. Barbara's a cop. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so good.
1: Okay, to lie to a bad guy.
2: now all, and of course, all the girls were on emptiness too. Um, there was one where Barbara was dating Dorothy's nephew, and they got oh. engaged. That was an episode. Oh. Um, Rose and Harry had a car accident, so that was an episode. Blanche just flew her, flung herself at Harry the minute that he became eligible, and by their definition of eligible, um, after his wife had died, there was that episode. And Sophia just would pop over just for a laugh no real plot lines but then later on Sophia became an infamous regular because Christy McNichol left the show and they had to fill the gap oh. with somebody so they filled oh it.
0: interesting that's now, like a with- post-Golden Palace thing
2: yeah after Golden Palace they had her living at Shady Pines which is yeah. weird but again by that point Estelle Getty's health just wasn't that great so she really didn't do a whole lot just yeah. kind of wandered in for jokes that's about it
1: Kind of like when Dot pops into the kitchen, boom. Yeah. boom, boom. So. so when when the characters, you know, when when Carol, Barbara, Harry, you can include Dreyfus in there, but we can leave him out. Um, when they appear on The Golden Girls, are those the actual characteristics of those characters? Those are those are them playing who they play on Empty Nest.
2: Pretty much. Um, I, I never thought Carol's guest appearances on The Golden Girls really did her much justice because that character was built around neurosis and she was kind of crazy oh. a lot of layers to that um but in a quick walk through one the golden girls she's just kind of annoying
1: she's kind of dumb yeah i mean like in a, it's it's a weird yeah you're Dana and morathy <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that too because you know lauren you were mentioning as well like this and, and matt you just talked about the hurricane episode the monkey show this was also like a big hurricane sort of special for for mbc right it was like containing empty Nest and nurses
2: yeah yeah that's so it, was, crazy. it was, golden girls would get an hour block and then empty nest and then nurses which was a spinoff of empty nest technically i guess um the nurses in the same hospital and they did too they did the moonlight madness and they did the hurricane no way
1: know, and so that's that. why they show up and like so th- are those also the episodes in which the golden girls show up on those shows essentially
2: yeah so so after dan and morthy then the the hurricane hits the empty nest house i guess it was like multiple hurricanes
0: (laughs) it moved like a tornado it was a hurricane but it bounced around it suffered
2: so the sophia comes over just to talk about the hurricane but she didn't really have anything to do with the Empty Nest plot and i think betty white and laverne from empty nest went over to nurses on that one interesting the line went all through the night
0: yeah, if there, if you, if any listeners are interested, Hurricane Saturday as its own, actually also has its own Wikipedia page with like all of the, the different plots. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a dream promo for NBC. It's kind of like must-see TV before must-see TV. And it's interesting because I always think of crossovers when I hear about them now as like a relatively modern thing, but clearly they're not. Yeah.
2: No, you don't tend to see that much anymore. You don't really see these backdoor pilots. Episodes anymore either too often no.
0: I mean network tv I feel like you know is is such a um in such a different position now than it was then um but I feel like you know like the ABC I think sometimes like Grey's Anatomy will cross over with like Chicago Fire or whatever I don't know but I do I feel like it happens sometimes now and it feels just like so out of place or something I don't know and it doesn't feel as like organic I guess as this one because you know you could believe that Sophia would be going around to her neighbors telling them that there's a hurricane coming. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: within the the sitcom build too right because you remember like with the, the multi-camera sitcom like you know the lighting's kind of the same the directing's kind of the same like it just kind of feels like an organic like uh, atmosphere I guess so I guess crossovers are a little less weird plus you're watching commercials you can't have TiVo you're not watching it streaming so you're seeing advertisements for these other shows and it kind of all makes sense and you're probably watching it one into the nut
2: and to the other um, I think you're right. back in the day you would just turn it on nbc and that was your night yeah. of programming you know? Yeah. logistically you they, they taped in the same studio so it wasn't hard for harry weston or the dog to hop over
1: <laughs>
2: doing the um the book that we talked about earlier about the um pop culture references i think dreyfus may be the most repeated Reference that came up throughout the whole series.
1: Oh no way! There you go. Yeah. That makes sense. He's in quite a few. You, you he know. was
2: a very he was a breakout character. <laughs> I'm realistic about the Golden Girls. is a better show. It's extremely well written and everything. And emptiness is a spinoff that was a little more, just wholesome, basic, 80s sitcom. Yeah. Quality. But I love it, and it was extremely popular in its day, and I just think it hasn't had the longevity that some of its peers have had.
1: Right. And why do you think, um, you know, I mean, specifically with regards to The Golden Girls, is it is it because the writing is a little more sort of saccharine on, on Empty Nest that it doesn't, you know, have have that longevity? Because obviously, you know, we have a whole podcast about finding sort of like scholarly themes and these different feminist pieces and commentary on social things that people are obviously still finding relevant today, in The Golden Girls. So what, you know, what is it about Empty Nest? Like you said, is it just that it's like that wholesome feel-good sitcom or, you know, What's, the, what's the, the there
2: there? I've tried to figure out. One of the producers, when I interviewed him, said, We fell into a black hole and I don't know why. So the writing wasn't as observant as shows like Golden Girls or some of the others of that era. Um, and Golden Girls had seven quality years of top notch writing. Mm-hmm. Once Christy McNichol left, Empty Nest didn't know what to do with itself. So the last oh. few seasons floundered a little bit here and there. And, you know, Richard Mulligan died 20 years ago. A lot of the actors have retired or doing other things, so they're not yeah. out there like your Betty White's today doing stuff. So I think all of those things combined, it's just fell a little to the wayside, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, interesting. Mario uh, Lopez and, you know, George Clooney didn't guest star on Empty Nest.
2: Well, you know, who did guest star? Garth Brooks.
1: <laughs>
0: what?
2: <laughs> Garth <laughs> Brooks was his fun debut on The Empty Nest right when he was, like, launching into superstardom.
0: Wow. I have a couple friends who are going to be just mind blown when I tell them that.
2: <laughs> you
1: say uh, acting debut? Is there, is there other Garth Brooks acting? Did you know about
2: that? that movie where he like became a different character or something, right? Christmas some games.
0: games. And it's so
1: <laughs> weird that I know that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So the concept was that Barbara and Laverne went to a Garth Brooks concert and there was a uh, security scare, and Barbara straightened it out. So she became his head of security and went on tour with him
0: wow
2: and that round, right around the, the the monkey show the hurricane crossovers which was like peak empty nest not to not to get some golden girls hate empty nest eclipsed golden girls in the ratings for like <laughs> the golden girls last two seasons <laughs> it's just a fact <laughs> well that's why they
1: nipped it in the bud right away when, when yeah you know the arthur wanted to leave um another unanswered question is so on empty nest in the empty nest universe do the golden girls have a pool like they do in this episode
2: it's not mentioned now the westons have a pool but it's never shown got it got we it. meet <laughs> a pool boy in an episode but we never see their pool,
1: <laughs> yeah, pool boy. But yeah this is great i kind of like never want to watch empty nest and just have you tell me about it because it's extra funny in my brain <laughs> this is great yeah. we
2: pass the bad episodes you know Season so, five, it starts to get hit or miss <laughs>
1: right right well I just you know again aforementioned scene where Dorothy comes in you know with Oliver and he calls her Dot and she says that he threw up in the pool um after showing up with three naked women which is just fascinating and you know I'm kind of like with Dorothy and her just sort of tirade against this like gross dude character and then I, I had to be like wait wait, wait wait what pool what are you talking
0: about what you know, goes on like, on New Year's Eve there <laughs>
2: As the Lanai open up, and there's a pool only on New Year's Eve? Of the cast of this pilot, I think he did get the most laughs. David Leader. Yeah. Uh, it made sense that he was brought back.
1: Yeah, and absolutely.
2: After he auditioned again, he was just handed the job.
1: Yeah, I think. I think honestly, you know, George uh, does a great job on this too. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> what's his name, Isaac Newton? Um, you know, <laughs> makes makes yet another appearance. Uh, but like, you yeah, know, I think he, he does, again, he has to play off of Rita Moreno. And he's like almost Rita Moreno's like laugh track for the lines that she unfortunately didn't get, you know? And he has these little sassy lines and like, you know, he's got his little Shirley MacLaine zinger and, and all sorts of weirdness. Um, what the hell are you doing opening, you know, a door in New York City without asking who's there? Like he says that in the same breath. So I mean, you yeah, know, there's a lot of parts that do work, but I think you're right about, you know, Oliver definitely being the laugh.
2: Well, Rita Moreno didn't get too many funny lines to be the star of a sitcom, you know?
1: Yeah, it's even... Hard,
2: it's hard to relate to her or care about her. Right. Even the
1: part of her personality that I find most interesting, which is that she used to be the, the dancing legs in the cigarette box... Which, by the way, people listening, if you've never seen those commercials, please YouTube it right now because they're <laughs> really disturbing. Um, but that was the thing. And then, again, you know, her husband gets the zinger line. Like, you brought cancer to people. Like, she doesn't even get to sort of make the own, her own joke about her, her
2: interesting tidbit. And she says in that interview, I think it's with, like, the archives of television. You can find it online. That, you know, when, when they keep changing your character's attitudes, the lines as an actor just don't come to you. Yeah. I never thought about that, but maybe that's why she just couldn't remember her lines because...
1: She's playing multiple characters, right? she's has multiple personality disorder, or at least sitcom's version of it.
0: I wonder how that holds up. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't imagine very well. Um, (laughs) Taking my notes on this episode, I was like, it just falls short. You know, and and with the storyline, it's like almost feminine mystique right? Like, she, like, doesn't know what to do with herself. She's really bored and blah blah blah. but when she brings up getting a job I don't know like it just doesn't make any sense like why wouldn't the answer be that she would get a job and not the answer be that like her husband is instead gonna work out of their house like what what is changing there I don't know it felt it felt very um it wasn't going anywhere and I feel like you can totally see what you're talking about Matt not only with her sort of struggling to figure out what the character is but also the plot as a whole trying to figure out like what the driving factor is because it kind of also resolves
2: and that whole the 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 doctor husband moving into the house to work that was an 80s sitcom gimmick too like Growing Pains did that I think Cosby did that Yeah. yeah Joe was gonna do that
1: they got to be around more, you know? I guess. But I, I I, think this is, you know, this has been illuminating for me too, Lauren, because I have the exact same sort of feeling of like, this isn't bad. And like I said about the Rose, like, you know, emptiness syndrome is a great, like, hook for a reason for characters to change in the middle of their lives. Like, you know, same idea of the Golden Girls, right? Like, you didn't sort of expect that you're living your life and then your sort of home situation changes and it changes who you are. All good. Like, there's a really good basis. There's really good like challenges that come up right whether or not it's like her saying I don't know my purposes and she goes and then she she goes into the before she even goes into the job thing she's like you know I'm gonna go with Jenny to, to New York for somebody who needs me and then you know like like to your point there's like a multiple different pathways she sort of goes down and then stops and moves down another one and it doesn't flow like a character's decision-making process that you would want it to be in the 22-minute sitcom so I, I really appreciate you Matt like telling us and you know and our listeners if they didn't know about like the sort of backstory because you can see it in Reed Moreno's character and you know by her reputation she is a much better actress that would make it work if if she had really good writing or if she just knew who the character was supposed to be
0: yeah, and that last line, like, I'm sorry to be the Schmolz police, but it is such an eye roll and she's like, promise me you'll never die. Like, oh. <laughs> <Oof. laughs>
2: they they end it with before he can respond. What is he gonna say?
1: There is no response
2: exactly. What wife said, oh my god. you're like, you were totally
1: fine. You were all on board, everything was fine. And you say something dumb like that. <laughs> Even as a kid, I feel like I was like, "Come on, this is this is ridiculous." And meanwhile, like, she
2: went to New York for six days and already had an agent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you think that was a line just to get him to come after her? I don't know. I'm
2: thinking
1: okay. about also, I maybe she has an agent. Her fucking hotel room has a chandelier in it, so I don't know I where. To she's a
0: doctor, man.
2: <laughs> putting up at the palace. But you know what it doesn't have was a peephole. Because when he said, why are you opening the door? And I rewound and I'm like, yeah, there's no peephole there. You <laughs> should have at least said, who is this?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a PSA. Don't open doors without <laughs> asking or looking, wherever you are. <laughs> I was going to say, not just in New York City. Jesus Christ. Um, So I don't want to make you sad if there's not one. But, <laughs> you know, the Golden Girls <laughs> has such a loud and vocal community around it do you feel like there are some like tried and true empty nesters that you've come across and either on the internet or in real life and and what is that like
2: so i'll try to give you the the condensed version i started this website in the late 90s um when i first got a computer golden girls fan sites were everywhere even then Mm -hmm. there was nothing for empty nest so i thought okay (laughs) i mean i was like 18 It's like okay i'll just make one and I found a lot of Emptiness fans, some of whom I think still linger around the page today. I don't know. Love it. Meanwhile, 18-year-old, when he first gets a computer, instead of looking up porn, I'm looking up Golden Girls. I <laughs> 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 Tells you the kind of kid I was. Um, it boggles my mind that 20, what, two years later, it's still going. And all of the information on that page, a lot of it was sent to me by fans of the show. Interesting. That's um, great. I made a Facebook and there's like several thousand on the Facebook and there's a Twitter, um, not too many, not as many on Twitter, but the fan base is there. I think they just need to stream it or make it available on DVD so more people can can find it and watch it.
1: Have you done a, a petition you know, to <laughs> to get MTNs at least on DVD? Or
2: did you back in, when we were doing petitions to get TV shows on at DVD? Back in the day, yeah. yeah. Nothing ever came of it. I mean, happen. And every few years, it'll pop up airing. It was on a it was on that laugh channel. Most oh yeah. It, and they played the hell out of it for a few years, and now it's gone again. Um, it's on YouTube, but they're edited episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like the Golden Girls, it's Disney owned, so mm-hmm. Disney needs to step it up. Put it on
1: Disney yeah. TV.
0: Put it out there. <laughs> it's time for that petition to go back around again. Send so me that change.org. <laughs>
1: There's no other pressing
0: matters or anything. No. to
2: No, not anymore. <laughs> but I'm sure the cast could use the these money, right? So.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I will. I have said it earlier, but I will say I highly, highly recommend Matt's website to any of our listeners because, first of all, I do feel like it provides so much inf- like context for the crossover if that's the only purpose that you're using it for. But also, I feel like it just—it's so nice to see. Somebody else who cares so much about a show and a show from this time, like it really. I feel like regardless of whether or not it's Golden Girls or Empty Nest or um, Nurses or whatever it is, like there is such a dedication and and as you said, such a you can always find a community. Like you can always find other people who like these things, and the internet is just the best for that. I I really (laughs) feel like I, I honestly like I feel like when I see you know people googling their favorite show from the 80s and they find or the 90s and they find this website like what a relief what a great reward
2: and i will say i don't want to keep plugging my own website but a few years ago Please i interviewed do. i interviewed several members of the cast and crew and they gave some really juicy golden girls details that ah there you go <laughs> and they were all so gracious and so nice and so wonderful and it was so great to talk to them but yeah they gave some real real juicy golden girls tidbits
1: See, there you go, and you can't listen to that on this podcast. You got to go read the website, Don't, don't, TV. don't, TV.
2: don't chew gum around B. Arthur. Was a recurring, a recurring. <laughs> See,
0: another author. reason I knew I loved her. I'm the same way. Can't I could it. imagine that would be. You would get a harsh.
2: <laughs> pretty. They were pretty open about the fact that she did not like Betty White at all.
0: I mean, you can you can tell in a lot of, in a lot of
1: the behind the scenes things, like interviews. I was just watching a recent interview uh, where it was like. You know their first year or something and they were interviewing the girls like on set or something like that it's like playful banter but you can tell betty's like annoying (laughs) it's really it's kind of hilarious actually (laughs) um so what other what other empty nest uh either from this episode or just in general like golden girls connected uh trivia do you do you have or any tidbits that you want to share
2: oh goodness um there's so much in my head that it's just swirling around what I guess <laughs> <laughs> like what's the best thing to pull out one of my favorite my favorite episode that a golden girl appeared on empty nest was when Rose and Harry got into a car accident mm. Rose is very central to the to the a plot I think it was the a plot of the episode so to have her inter interplaying with Laverne the character of Laverne was really just comedy gold in my opinion. Now there was also the one B Arthur was on. those two had a little, little bit of back and forth at the clinic. Um, so B and Laverne, it was a very strong will, no-nonsense character. Um, that was a fun interaction to see played too. Yeah. Any time they interacted with Laverne was a huge <laughs> <laughs> Now behind the scenes, Park Overall had some funny stories about B. Arthur um you want to hear one she's park walked by in the studio one day and b was reading a book and park goes what are you reading Dee? is a real appalachian twang <laughs> and she goes park i like to read about a lot of sucking and fucking <laughs> <laughs> and just walk off <laughs> could you imagine the author say that to you <laughs> oh my God. if they did corroborate that betty white is everything you think betty white's going to be i
1: believe it
0: well that's, oh, that's nice yeah. yeah that's awesome i love it um i also spent some time on park overall's wikipedia page today and um she ran for the senate in 2012. she is on the side that we like <laughs>
2: <laughs> good to know, good to know. <laughs> she is like and i say this with love because i'm from appalachia myself she's like this crazy crackpot liberal who she's always on our facebook just posting stuff and she's very environmentally conscious so she drives the people in tennessee there where she lives crazy with you know this is pollution and this and that and blah blah blah
0: so she's in um the scene where dorothy goes to talk to harry about um chronic fatigue fatigue syndrome and she's the nurse who's sitting with him and i think she comes in because the little boy tries to um gives harry the urine sample and he had his friend do it for him and she comes in and like tells on the boy basically and that's it that's the and she just like has this if you've seen it i feel like you can hear it right now like she has that appellation super thick twang um, and she says like he had somebody do it for him and it, it just it's so it's so identifiable and then when i saw her pop up in um, the empty nest when I was going through it I was like so glad that she was not just this like you know super brief character on the Golden Girls like I'm I'm really glad that her she was like in other stuff and like had a really long running role and I am excited to watch more of her.
1: What is the line there? She's like he is something it's like oh it's kind of like sex and she's like maybe where you come from
2: <laughs> Yeah. That's her real voice. She's from Tennessee. The character was from Arkansas. So Laverne on Empty Nest had her version of St. Olive's stories about her Arkansas hometown. Got it. Yeah. Got
1: it. <laughs> just going around the country, just eviscerating all of the little uh, sub parts of America.
2: <laughs> well she was fun too as a character, you know, somebody that tells their boss where to get off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Something we all wish we could do and therefore relatable.
1: Exactly. Exactly. They actually
2: talked about spinning her off, but that's when Christine McNichol left and they just I guess couldn't take two big hits to the cast.
1: Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your forthcoming book. Um, We mentioned it earlier, which, you know, tentatively titled Isn't Danny Thomas One, and it's a guide to every single reference that appears in the seven seasons of The Golden Girls. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, where you got the idea, which I think is absolute genius, because as Lauren said, you know, you're always Googling, like, what the hell is this talking about (laughs) when you're watching it, you know, past the 1980s? But um, but yeah, just talk a little bit about what it's going to look like and when we can buy it.
2: Well, you, you just you just described where the idea came from. <laughs> I would do the same thing. I'm like, who is this? You know, And some of them I'm, I'm old enough to know like who Robin Gibbons was or whoever, but like Gary Hart's campaign manager. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> or you know, several others. Um, but Burt Reynolds comes up a lot, but we all know who Burt Reynolds is. But anyway, I thought, I wish there was a book that you could just watch along and follow along with to understand all of these things. So I asked my literary agent about it. And he was like, yeah, I could sell that, write up a proposal. Yeah. So I wrote the proposal up in January, and I think we'd sold it by March. Love it. So this, this whole 2020 in quarantine, <laughs> I had been watching the Golden Girls and writing the actual book and researching all the references and da 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 By the way, there was not one episode that didn't have multiple references to something. Love it whether it be a, ra- a random brand name of a product or a person or a movie or something like that. Um, <laughs> so the manuscript is in, and now we'll go into edits and review and revisions and blah, blah, blah. And it should be out next September. So September, 2021 tentatively.
1: Okay, very cool. Very soon. This, uh, this episode, I, I remember, well, at least, you know, they say Taster's Choice, so they make fun of the Taster's Choice commercials. Um, Sophia talks about the Cinzano sign being shot down, like the Italian liqueur. I mean, what, are there any other ones you can remember?
2: I think she mentioned St. Francis. Um, right. CD, so anybody like that. and Billy
0: no, I, McLean. Yeah, Billy
2: yeah, McLean. I tried to list everything, even if some of them are so well-known that they don't need to be in there, like Coca-Cola or something like that. Right. And I figure in editorial processes will eliminate maybe things that might not be in there right the professionals will help me whittle down because it's pretty long
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's so it's so telling for the show too and i think it's this book is so fascinating as like you know so many people wonder why as we talked about before like the golden girls has such staying power such longevity when it's also a show that makes very dated references like that's kind of amazing in and of itself so this book is kind of this beautiful bridge between these brand new fans who were born well after, you know, the show went off the air uh, originally, and obviously grew up with the show in syndication. Um, So it's just, yeah, I think it's just a really fantastic idea. And I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this episode is going to want one.
0: I
2: hope so. And I hope the world's ready to receive it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even like Fez Parker, I think I, you know, I had to Google that to get the full um like the full impact of the joke so i think it'll just be so nice to have like basically an encyclopedia of these references and also to provide some context you can't really get just from you know like why the girls would make that joke about that person um, so i think it'll be very it'll be useful for us for sure
2: well one when i was telling my friend about this the Fest parker reference was the one he pointed to he was like good because i always want to know who fess parker in hills is. <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> Well, they say it like seven times in the episode, as, as we've talked about. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's pretty funny.
2: That's Bert great. Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. Dinner Theater is also a real place. I didn't know if that was just a Burt Reynolds joke at his expense, but no, it was a real place. No way. See, I didn't even know that. I, thought, yeah. I also thought it was a joke. <laughs> Ruth Buzzy never appeared in Evita, but. The <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. <laughs> what about Lindsay Ronstadt? Did she ever do Pirates of Penzance across town? <laughs>
2: Probably not. <laughs> I hope so anyway. I hope she did.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, Lauren, do you have anything else?
0: No, I just I want everyone to give this episode a chance. <laughs> and give Empty Nest a chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, thank you so much for being here and for you know being our, our
2: resident Empty
1: Nest expert.
2: I knew it would come in handy for some reason someday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So yes, thank you, Matt Browning. Uh, check out his book coming out hopefully September of this year. Um, and we are gonna you know, constantly talk about it um, once we get our hands on it. But yeah, as Lauren said, give Empty Nest a chance. You can check out some edited episodes on YouTube um, and visit EmptyNestTV.com for all of the juicy crossover trivia. All right, well, I think that wraps up Empty Nests and the whole second season of The Golden Girls, which is really exciting. Um, and join us next time we're going to discuss how literally everybody probably pees in the ocean and whether or not you can tell that it's happening from the view of a park (laughs) bench. take care everybody